0: This is John Jackson Miller, writer of Star Wars A New Dawn, and welcome to
1: Execute Chapter 66.
2: Hello, and welcome to Execute Chapter 66, a Star Wars fiction podcast where we discuss canon, legends, and beyond. Tonight we are going to be talking about, from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back by many, many, many people. And because it's a big book, we've got a big guest. Welcome, Gary Mitchell.
3: I thank you. Would you say I'm Hut-sized or just um, Dengar-sized? Big in
2: stature. <laughs> Well, I'm saying, you know,
3: if we're going to measure
2: stature, I mean, <laughs> you know, Dengar's got a rep. My name is Beth Van Dusen, and with me, as always, are Ryan Schweck and Chad J. Shank. Over to you first, Chad.
0: Uh, this is a reminder that this is a book club and not a review show. We're going to spoil this lovely book of short stories. Um, over the course of our conversations, we're going to spoil anything else Star Wars, including you know, the empire strikes back. We're going to spoil the empire strikes back. It's inevitable. So if you haven't seen that, that has been your spoiler warning, Ryan, what do you got?
4: Well, a little show called the Mandalorian came back. And so most of the news and interviews and everything has been about Mandalorian. Um, and we're not going to you know, go into a bunch of it because we'll get to that at a later date. Um, there's two things on *The Mandalorian I did want to touch on real fast just because I think it's funny. So we went ahead and uh, sealed Cara Dune's fate very quickly with one line, which I thought was <laughs> kind of amusing.
2: <laughs> that was great. <laughs> like, it was like the how Poochie disappeared on The Simpsons.
5: Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> Nobody really cares that much.
4: A couple of interesting things have come out in these interviews. One funny one, just real fast. Did you see that Freddie Prince Jr. for some reason was claiming that Dave Filoni directed the Darth Vader scene in Rogue One? Such a random, weird thing. And then they came out and they were like,
2: yeah, that's that's not true. (laughs)
4: Like Such a weird... Why would
2: Freddie Prince Jr. even know who directed it? I mean, I I guess technically he was working on Rebels
4: at the time.
2: He wouldn't have yeah. been on set to know who directed what on Rogue One. Look, Freddie wants to stay revel- <laughs> Reve- <laughs> Relevant.
4: Um, but I think and the interesting thing that has come out in these interviews is the time frame that Mandalorian and Boba Fett have taken place. Woo, are we a little confused? So now it looks yeah. like that Grogu was with Luke for two years. Like, and then they were like, after that, him and Mando were bumping around before Boba Fett for another, like, year or two. Like, this stuff's, it, it makes me a little worried that we don't seem to have a real good handle on the timeline. Now, granted, it's Star Wars, and, you know, we constantly are struggling with all the stuff between Empire and Jedi, and, you know, it's gone on forever,
0: are struggling with Empire itself. Empire itself doesn't make sense timeline wise the movie itself.
4: Right. Yeah, well, yeah. Apparently, so maybe like when you train as a Jedi, there's some weird time stuff that goes on. And, you know, Luke was with Yoda. Who knows how long?
0: That's what they've done, right? They've made, they've made it like, like, insep, like uh, interstellar, right? Where like time passes slower on Dagobah.
6: Yeah,
4: that Things was like the that. last official thing. But I mean, so Luke and Grogu were hanging out for two years. That's crazy.
0: I don't mind that. I just wish we had some kind of indicator of it.
4: I'd like to have seen it. And you don't have to show me a whole bunch of it, but show me Sad Din Djarin with like a little picture.
0: Well, but there's one thing they're using to show you. And that's the city.
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. The city on Navarro. I don't remember the, yeah, I don't remember the city.
0: But like they're using Navarro to show you time passing. Yeah. Well, I, there's no way that city grows in that way in a matter of weeks or months, right? It it looks like years have passed since since grief took over, right? So, that's the only thing we have.
4: Yeah. Although, I am excited like it does make a whole 2-year timeline open for books and comics and stuff of Made of running around. He's got the Darksaber. What, you didn't do anything with the Darksaber for two years? Like, I mean, I think they've got to explain why Grogu can, like, do a bunch of stuff now. And, you know, you'll see when, you know, as we're recording this, they haven't seen episode two, but Grogu does some stuff where, yeah, buddy, you've been training a little bit.
0: Like,
4: he can, there's some force stuff he can do now. Um, It makes sense that he trained for a while. Other Disney Plus news, it looks like Ahsoka is going to come out earlier than we thought. Um, There are now reports that I guess they're further along and that they'll announce at Celebration that instead of a fall release, Ahsoka is going to come out over the summer. And you know, when they say summer, they probably mean like September.
2: If they do it Labor Day weekend, I'm going to be so mad.
4: I mean, I won't. It'll be out on a Wednesday. (laughs)
2: Like,
4: it'll be fine. I don't want them to do the Wednesday after Dragon Con because I'm very tired then. <laughs> I'm very sleepy. And then our last, you know, bit of news coming out before celebration. It looks like um uh Patty Jenkins and Kevin Feige's movies have officially been shelved. They're they will not be coming out. <laughs> I don't think it no. shocks anyone. Um they did mention what TD's movie is still on. And apparently, he's planning to star in it, or at least to be in it. I'm not I'm a sure. fan of that. Look, buddy, your IG88. It's fine. Leave it alone.
0: Yeah, I'm not too happy about that either. <laughs> <I'm getting too laughs> I... He's seems a little much.
2: He's he's a side character at best. He's comic relief as IG88. He's he's not a star of a Star Wars movie.
4: And who knows maybe he'll be a a droid or i don't know but yeah i mean that is it for the news um not the next episode but the episode after we will be past celebration so i'm sure the news will take like an hour (laughs) so stay tuned uh what's going on in the comic side
0: Han Solo and Chewbacca number 10 by Guggenheim and Messina. Um, I think this is the last issue. I'm not sure if it was canceled or if they planned it to be 10, but it's either way, it's a bummer. Um, it's not that the series has been great, but an ongoing Han series is like one thing that I want. And so I was kind of hoping this would be it. Either way, this ends with a discovery that will set up next year's major crossover, which I think is going to involve a droid uprising. But don't quote me on that. Hidden Empire 4 of 5 by Sewell and Cummings. Getting real worried about Kira, guys. The Archive has promised us a tragedy, and with only one issue left to go, well, tragedy.
4: I'm gonna need, and I'm not all the way caught up yet, but I need one good as she's dying scene with Han. Like, if she's gonna die, let her, like, hold Han's hand or something.
0: Nah, not gonna happen. (laughs) I mean, that, would, t- t- that would involve them catching up to return of the jedi
4: maybe she gets a hold of the carbonite again and she like <laughs> it. and she was like i should have never let you leave me i love you
0: han i think she's beyond that i, th- I think she's beyond caring about han that much star wars 32 by sul and Musabakov, new artist name there i'm enjoying this no space story it looks like Chewie has figured out a way to get out of this mess, and it involves a Nihil path drive, which is pretty cool. And yeah, Lando and Holdo totally did it. They don't say that they did it, but they totally did it. Uh, Sana Staros number two by Ireland and Perez. Even free from her, Sana still continues somehow to pay for Chelly's past mistakes. Plus, the Staros women continue their hunt for their cousin, who is currently living not so pretty on an Imperial Star Destroyer. High Republic number six by Scott and More of the Battle of Jeddah, More stuff we probably would have liked to have seen in the audio drama. And then High Republic, the Blade number four by Sewell and Castiello. This book is good and Porter Engel rocks, but next month promises, quote, one of the most epic instances of lightsaber combat ever recorded in the Chronicles, end quote. So I'm expecting some princess bride shit there. So that'll be fun. But that's it for comics.
7: It is a dark time for the rebellion. Although the Death Star has been destroyed, Imperial troops have driven the rebel forces from their hidden base and pursued them across the galaxy. Evading the dreaded Imperial Starfleet, a group of freedom fighters, led by Luke Skywalker, have established a new secret base on the remote ice world of Hoth. The evil Lord Darth Vader... Obsessed with finding young Skywalker, has dispatched thousands of remote probes into the far reaches of space.
2: All right. Well, we've got a lot of stories to discuss, and uh, we are going to let our guest kick it off tonight. Gary, what story would you like to talk about first?
3: Ooh, it's a tough call, especially because you guys got to the lists before I did, so some of my picks are on your list. But the one I want to start with, I guess I'll start with the front of the book with, and it was a tough call, but I am going to go with A Good
5: Kiss. Chase Wilsor tugs on his clothes over his thermal layers, shivering in the cold morning air. Not that he can tell it's morning aside from the 0400 blinking at him from his data pad. The barracks are dark, aside from the soft glow of the screen and he's the only one unfortunately awake at this hour. He claps his hands to his face, trying to slap some life into himself, and jumps up and down in place. It's a new day. Anything is possible. Today could be his last day on kitchen duty. He knows it. I am confident. I am strong. I am a valuable member of the Rebel Alliance, and any minute now, Major Derlin is going to give me a mission of my own. Uh,
3: by C.B. Lee? I like that we get a snapshot of what it's like to be in the rebellion, in that Hoth base, trying to hide. I love the characterization. I love them taking bets on Han and Leia. It was just, it was a really fun, good little story. And when the attack happened and feeling them panic and seeing, you know, their view of Leia staying around. Just there's a whole lot of little moments in there that I really, really liked.
0: I say this with love. This is a gay book. Oh, yes. Yeah.
3: There's a lot of gay in this book. It's great.
0: Mm -hmm. I say it with love, but yeah, there's a lot.
3: I also like the fact that, you know, we get the one guy, uh, you know, we get Chase, this guy who's just trying to be a rebel. He's just, I want to go out and shoot Imperials. They keep going, no, dude, just run the coffee. That's what you're good at. And that it pays off. That his knowing all the little back ways and being the guy who knows how to get from point A to point B the fastest actually helps save a lot of lives. And his boyfriend and
0: his boyfriend and his boyfriend this does do that thing where like so many of these stories do which is the characters hear the dialogue Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that happens a lot from the movie that happens Mm -hmm. a little too often for me i i guess i don't know it just sometimes it feels it takes me back to like um uh alphabet squadron when what's his name happened to be there when he was when luke was burning vader Yeah, like, "Eh, I don't know if I like that. And so there's there's a little bit of that in some of these stories.
2: You can be you can be adjacent to the story without being directly like standing right over Leia's shoulder when something is happening. Now, look, to be fair,
4: if I was out in real life and I like saw some celebrities... You bet your ass I mentioned in close. <laughs> like, <laughs> hear what I can. <laughs> and like, it's true. You know, yes, I'm pretending I've, to look at my phone. I've seen you at Dragon oh, Con, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
3: yeah, the The egregious one on that for me was The Witness, which is one of, one of the stories I didn't care for, where the lady, yeah. the one stormtrooper just happens to keep hearing the final confrontation. <laughs> it's like, what it's are you doing? Theater. Yeah, I didn't like yeah. that at all. Either.
2: Yeah, don't you have a job to do?
3: Yeah, Not a fan of so, that one
0: either. Uh,
2: I always wondered, what what happens to the Tauntaun that they take off Hoth? What the hell are you going to do with that? What kind of life is that animal going to have? You should have set it free, stupid. Well, you see, they have to start a circus. <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, especially now that we the know- The greatest
2: snowman. <laughs>
5: oh.
4: Now that we know they have, like, a family oh, yeah. and Tauntauns oh, are, like, God. sad. <laughs> like... <Yeah. laughs> I like these early stories. I don't know if anybody's covered anymore. Like, I do like that. It just goes through. Hot sucks. Like, it yes. sucks to be there. <laughs> it's cold.
3: Yeah, yeah. even the natives have. don't want to be there.
4: <laughs> and the one lady that's like pumped to be there is just some nerd geologist, like a botanist who's all excited.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm stand behind. Good for you. <laughs> Bye. No one's there's, coming for you. There's a, there's a sentient wampa over there who could probably use a friend. Yeah, like,
4: hey, dumbass. There's not a lot <laughs> of animals on Toth. Guess what? There's also not food, you moron. Yeah.
3: <laughs> like, yeah, I'm, although
4: I guess they might have left the food behind.
2: Not a lifetime's worth of food.
3: Hey, he's going to be like Tom Hanks and Castaway growing algae. And,
2: oh, and how yeah. are you going to live with yourself knowing that Tauntauns are sentient and you're going to eat one to live? I don't imagine that guy's a monster.
4: There's not a lot of eating on
2: a tom. When he cuts it open, it's just such a guts. Ooh, yeah, those guts did look real nasty. They looked like tripe. Mm-hmm. Big tripe.
3: Yeah. But yeah, I mean it's just it's a fun little story and like I said, I, I like that glimpse of the, the what is it like to be a, a
2: rebel? Spoiler, it sucks. For ninety nine percent of the people it's like that. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the two heroes. Who Her are always leaving.
4: Like, it's like they hang around <laughs> Like oh, They went on some <laughs> other mission I don't
2: know They went to do something cooler than what we're doing here
0: Gotta read the mm-hmm. comics to find out
2: mm-hmm. Alright, Chad, what's your first story?
0: I, I picked two So two of my stories are the longest stories in the book Which I did not mean to do But um, I'll start with For the Last Time by Beth Revis mm. This is where we step inside the mind of newly promoted Admiral Piet And get some insight into his theories about power and patience as well as what he was thinking when he saw Vader without his helmet for the first time in The Empire Strikes Back. I'm kind of fascinated with, ever since we read Dark Lord again, I've been fascinated with this idea of how much it sucks to be Vader. Mm-hmm. Just how much it's just, it's just it, how, what a whor- really just how horrific his existence is. Mm-hmm. And this book does a good job of having Piet, who... You know, we never really get into Piet's mind. You know, in the, in the movies, obviously, that's why he gets his own story. He's a guy who thrives on fear, and he believes in Palpatine and Tarkin's edicts of um, ruling through fear. But that seeing Vader with his mask off, or at least partially with his mask off, and seeing basically a corpse of a man made him feel pity for him. Mm-hmm. In a moment, I thought that was really cool. And then he pushes it away. He's like, I have pity for him for a second, but nope, nope. Remember, remember what he did to Ozl. you know, remember what he did to Ozzel. I okay, I'm scared again, that's good <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm scared again okay. <laughs> that's good, but just, I don't know I, I, like I said, I'm fascinated with this idea of what it's like to actually be Darth Vader and so to have a little glimpse I- into what someone seeing that uh, was thinking about it, I thought was really cool
7: he imagined that weak, feeble thing he had seen under the mask and he killed it in his mind's eye he put that corpse beside Ozel's in the graveyard of his memory. Lord Vader was only the mask. Piet would never again allow himself to think of Lord Vader as anything but the Black Fist, clenched, choking away the life of anyone who did not properly fear him. There was something calming in that idea. Piet had not liked those moments when Vader had been
3: more man than mask. Yeah, we had like two different visitations into that meditation room and they're both really interesting stories.
2: Yeah, I I liked the the pity angle because yeah. how can how can you be afraid of someone that you feel sad for? And I do feel like a lot of what new canon has done in general has made Darth Vader less scary. Like he's he's a tortured soul and and he's not the scary monster that we remember from when we were little kids yeah i do like
4: this goes through though you can't have other people in the empire feel that way like as readers outside people it's okay for us to have the pity for vader and it's okay to see him as a character but for the stories to work P- nobody can pity him like he's mm-hmm. got to be scary emperor's
3: fist yeah yeah, throughout the rest of the stories in the book, pretty much any time Vader comes up, everybody's like, "Oh crap!"
0: Yeah, so just, that's good. Yeah, no, this is the the one time there's a little crack in it,
3: but, and it's because you know he sees that ruined back of his head.
0: Yeah, um, and it, it makes sense too, right? Piet's newly newly um, promoted, so that would be his first venture, his first venturing into that chamber. You know, mm-hmm. because he's, he's only the admirals are allowed in or whatever.
3: I wasn't sure how I felt about because Piet has always been one of the characters that I really like because he was the non-mustache twirling villain in Star Wars. He was the Imperial who's like, I'm just here to do my job. Yeah. It, my job involves, you know, killing rebels, but it's because they're rebels, they're criminals. So seeing him characterized as, a, as the true believer wasn't something I kind of had to wrap my head around yeah i can see that
2: well and we all i think ended up picking a lot of imperial based stories just because we know the rebels we know what they're thinking Mm -hmm. we're pretty darn familiar with them at this point so it's it's interesting to see the different points of view from why these people joined up in the empire why they're still Mm -hmm. there what they really believe well,
3: and a good chunk of these stories are that. I mean, it's pretty heavily weighted towards imperial POV characters.
0: Well, they are sentient monsters. Those are just the better and, stories, too. Oh yeah, those are just the better stories. The imperial ones, for some reason, they just ended up being better stories.
2: Yeah, it, it does help that they're also all better written. Yeah, yeah. All right, Shwek, What about your first story?
4: I was honestly kind of surprised <laughs> that I picked this one. I surprised myself. Um, so for my first, one, I think this is an okay about Sayo, the Exogars, which is the giant space (laughs) slug. Look,
8: you know. All of it interested Sayo, even the things that horrified it. It watched the Sith and the Jedi before they invented those names for themselves. And then it watched them swell and diminish and swell again like tides of light and darkness. It added mournings and jubilations for them to the hum and swept on through the stars. Sayo wept for the dead. Sayo marveled at the living. It was a billion years old. It was nothing but a baby. It was so alone.
4: Is it a cheesy story about a caring space slug who has (laughs) a habitat in his stomach? It sure is. He just wants to make friends with the minox, and then he wants to make friends with his new humans, and he goes to the gathering of the Exogars, because it turns out that Asteroid Field is actually all the space slugs getting together once every thousands of years.
3: SlugCon 2023.
4: <laughs> is it silly? Yes. But I do really like when Star Wars kind of ventures out past the non-humanoids and I like this, like, long-term view of the galaxy that this thing lives in. And I think what really got to me at the end, like, he's still thinking about Han and Leia getting away. And now he just wants to be friends with them, even though he can't understand. And then there's, like, a century has gone by while he's had that thought.
0: <laughs> right. Right. Mm. You also, um, you like you like it when things get a little weird.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's not as much for me that this story is silly. This story's weird. Yeah. It's really weird, and I kept uh, the entire
3: time I kept reading it. I th- kept thinking about the the story from the first book of this from the point of view of the trash compactor monster, <laughs> and I was just going, "Come on!"
4: You well, do, when the other exogars make fun of him for his minox because they're not as impressive as the
2: <laughs> they're his butterflies. his butterflies.
4: Yes, it's so good.
2: I actually i I can buy this. Better than the sentient Dianoga and the sentient Wampa and the sentient Tauntaun. I can believe that Exogorts have thoughts. And and, I mean, I don't know if I can believe that they're cultivating butterflies in their stomachs. But I'll I'll follow along. I buy that more so than the other stuff. I
0: I could argue that a sentient Wampa makes sense. They're very clearly... Yeah. Semi-intelligent. Yeah, humanoid.
4: I think this one too. It does what I kind of want this book to these books to do sometimes when I watch the movie. Now it's uh-huh. going to kind of change part of what I think about it. Like every time now when Han shoots into the ground and we're like, Oh, don't that's, don't, that's, that's your friend.
3: Health. He just wants to be your buddy. He sent you atmosphere.
4: He's making oxygen for you. Come
2: You're on. killing his butterflies. You monster. He sent them to say hello. Oh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's not much else to say
2: There's not much else to say Well, for my first story um, I picked The Truest Duty by Christy Golden And mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie I, when I picked this, thought it was the Piet story Nope oh. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's so many Imperial stories But I didn't change Because I actually liked the contrast in this book Because we get stories from the point of view of Piet, Ozel, and Veers And I mm-hmm. like the contrast between all three of them because Piet pities Vader, Ozzel fears him, and Veers is just doing a job.
9: There it was, the main generator, the goal. Veers had not wavered, his heart rate had never risen. Worry was uncalled for, he knew he would not fail. There was a humming sound, and a holographic figure no larger than Veers' hand appeared. It was Lord Vader in miniature. The small image only served to remind Veers how tall the Dark Lord was in person. Is victory eminent, General Veers? Yes, Lord Vader. I've reached the main power generator. The shield will be down in moments. You may start your landing.
2: He considers himself Vader's knife, and and he's not going to die like Ozil because he's never going to let Vader down. He is not going to fail him. And when he sees Vader without the helmet, he thinks about all the things that he suffered and and must have endured to get like that and how hard it must have been for him to survive. And he takes that as inspiration of how to be and runs with it so that when he's leading the ground assault on Hoth and uh, the snowspeeder pilot, Derek, runs into his AT-AT, he is almost mortally wounded, but mm-hmm. he thinks about Vader and uses that strength that he knows Vader has to hold on till the medics get to him and then, then he can rest. Which, you know, I don't think Vader rested, but whatever.
4: And clearly this story gets a point for having a character named Derek.
2: <laughs> well, they never name him, but that's that's who <laughs> is in the snowspeeder that hits the at They don't it's, it's, name him. It's hobby. it's hobby, right? I know. But it's
0: they call him Derek. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but you're
3: right. I mean, it's a great story from the, giving us, the uh, the again, the, another Imperial point of view of, I'm here to do a job. And I like the fact that he, it, it shows the loyalty amongst the Imperials. It, you know, the only reason he doesn't die is he's inspired his men enough that they're like, no, we're we're getting you out of here.
2: And he genuinely cares about them, which mm-hmm. a lot of the leaders in the Empire don't seem to do. He's also a pretty unexplored character. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: I would say, for, for, you know, the, uh, I think the, you, there's a lot more you could do with him that, that he's never really
3: mm-hmm. been, he's never really been touched in a, other medium media. Yeah, he'd be great to throw into something like Battlefront or another one of those where we just need an yeah. imperial leader
0: in in the comics or something. I don't I don't know. We just haven't. It's not a character we picked up on a lot.
3: This Again, a competent, does. not sneering imperial.
0: The Dark Lord
9: was many things to Veers. But he was not a threat, because Viers never failed him. Yeah, just... One problem I what to...
4: To have with this book, not a problem, I guess, but just something that always bugs me. Will Star Wars please figure out when the Snowspeeders started working?
2: No, <laughs> He no, never they will. It
4: just drives me nuts. Sometimes they work the night before, sometimes they've been rolling around for weeks.
0: There was an editorial issue in this book with the snow Snowspeeders. <laughs> I'll <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, just put it that way
2: but i mean it's 40 different authors there's there's going to be some discrepancies all right that takes us back around to gary all
3: right so mine ties back into ryan's uh amara
6: Kell's amara Kell's rules for tie pilot survival probably
3: which i've always loved the, you know it it's like the the rogue one the or the the rogue squadron any of the stuff with the pilots i'm usually into and especially the ties because as she puts it, you know, they're practically mayflies. It's like, don't get close to anybody. They're not going to last. And it ties into Ryan's story because it's like again, there's like one TIE fighter comes and blows out that poor space slug's tooth, which doesn't get mentioned in his story. <laughs> Leave Silo um,
4: alone. <laughs>
3: yeah. no, but it, It's nice to see that there is a camaraderie that happens between military characters, pilot characters, you get that little bit of the arrogance And it's just a fun to- fun Told story from their point of view Of like oh yeah don't eject Don't ever eject you'll die <laughs> that's, the, that's the one
0: that like They're flying and then all of a sudden It cuts to
6: Five minutes later we got the recall order Fifteen minutes after that I plugged my tie into the docking Clamp and lifted myself out of it with Shaking hands Five minutes after that I was in the shower with Howell Kissing her as frantically as I've ever kissed anyone. And finding, to my shocked delight, that she was kissing me back just as thoroughly.
0: Yes. And I was like, ooh, this just got sexy real fast. (laughs) (laughs) This book just got real hot real quick. Rule rule
4: number six. If you're going to get attached to somebody, make sure it's a girl who flies like an ash angel hopped up on death stakes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's an excellent
0: line. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no. I
4: appreciate this story because I love a good list. <laughs> Anybody <Yeah. ever laughs> to make? I love a list. <laughs> I really like the <laughs> framing of this story.
6: Rule number one. Don't get attached.
0: Yeah, no, I I enjoy it. this one has uh this one reads well in the audiobook because of that kind of list aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They did a better job ended. diversifying the voice cast this time around.
2: Yes. It's not all just Mark Thompson all the time. No. Yeah,
4: I do like this one too because a lot of times you know, we hear a lot of the books focus on why the rebellion ships are better and why they have so much of an advantage. And this one kind of lays out, like, yeah, look, the ties don't have shields, and sure, they were built by the cheapest contractor the empire could find, but they can also do a 90 degree turn. Yeah. And so they kind of, like, show why the Empire uses them and what advantages they do have sometimes.
3: Well, yeah, she talks yeah.
0: about how what a joy they are to fly. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, they're a no-frills, very fast, very maneuverable thing. It's like pilot candy. Okay. And if you throw 50 of them at those X-Wings, eventually you'll get that X-Wing.
2: <laughs> and, and these people, the pilots, you know, they're not the space nazis they've got mm-hmm. you know they've been conscripted or some some of them are space nazis and have joined up believing in the empire but a lot of these people just get conscripted and they're just like you know what i'm just gonna fly and eventually i'll get blown up
4: yeah it's kind of like my son's toyota corolla look it's no frills it's cheap but it's fun to drive
0: <laughs> <laughs> it <corners> real well <laughs> We'll go from TIE Fighters to X-Wings, I guess, because my second choice is Rendezvous Point by Jason Fry. That was on my short list. Boy, this was a long story.
2: It was real long. In the
0: audiobook, it's over an hour. Uh Uh-huh. Oof. One of the book's longest stories follows Wedge and Tilly's from the Battle of Hoth to the Rebel Rendezvous Point to the immediate formation of a new Red Squadron through their training and onto their first mission. It's basically a Michael Stackpole novel told in 75 pages. Mm Mm-hmm. Fifty pages. It's all it is. It is a classic. It fits right at home with the X-wing books. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, and Jason Fry has written a lot of Star Wars stuff, um, so he knows what he's doing. And uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed this spotlight on Wedge. And, and it, it's interesting. There's a couple stories like this, like the the Bosk one as well, where they take huge departures from the mm. story. It's not. It's not like. Oh, what was that guy thinking while Piet while Ozzel was getting strangled, right? Which is also you know cool, but this is like, you no, know, Wedge leaves Hoth and then has an entirely huge adventure mm-hmm. that we don't you know, and um and yeah, and I think I enjoyed it for that, but I I mostly enjoyed it because it was like reading a staple book or an Aaron Ellis
2: yeah. look, look, Wedge, you're not a main character. You don't get to have an adventure. But, yeah,
0: you're right. It
4: just feels so old school EU. Yeah. And it's really in style, it's got the way they train, like you said, it feels like it fits right
0: in with X-Wing. Well, and also the idea that, like, they they went back from, they they pulled back from being called Rogue Squadron and went back to Red Squadron again. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because of the ones who died uh, at Hoth. But then, like, and that's setting up for the fact that in Endor, they're Red Squadron, and not Rogue Squadron Mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah, I, I enjoyed having a little uh, X-Wing novella in the middle of my short story collection.
3: Yeah, and it, again, showing the, the camaraderie between these people. I love the pranking. Yes. That, yeah. that was dead on. It's like, yeah, I see that absolutely happening.
0: Well, at least they've kept the character of Wes Jansen from the uh, Expanded Universe. Mm-hmm. He, he's, that, that is Wes. Um, they've, they've definitely kept that part of him.
4: And this one also had the important lesson. If you're training a squadron, Always plan on only one day in the simulator. That's all you're getting. Yeah. It doesn't matter how long you think you have. It's always just one day.
0: It's always one day because mm-hmm. that mission's going to get moved up. Yeah. Yep. And
4: don't don't worry about it. You're not going to finish the simulator. You're not going to do it perfect, but don't worry. You got it.
0: You got it. You'll have it on the day. <laughs> yeah. And only 20 to 30% of you will die.
3: Mm-hmm. We learn by doing.
4: Never and, tell me. The and odds. then by
0: dying. Yeah.
3: yeah.
4: <laughs> okay, my turn. So for my next one, I. I don't feel this is any surprise. Um, I chose Lord Vader Will See You Now. By John Jackson Miller. It has a character that Our I feel Our friend like I,
0: John Jackson Miller. Mm-hmm. Friend of the I show. Like
4: it stars a character that I feel like I might have talked about before. Miss Ray Sloane. My mm-hmm. favorite Imperial.
2: You like Ray Sloane? I had no idea. You know. She's the best. and <laughs> She
4: just keeps getting better. So, you know, we get to see her. I kind of like this because we're seeing her earlier in her career where she's kind of been busted down from being uh, uh, a... having her ship. And turns out that she was flying the ultimatum that got blown up. Or she was supposed to be the captain. And she was out testing some shuttles. Because she's the best, it says it. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) because she is the most competent member of the Empire, (laughs) she does the awesome trick of... Discovering that the Minocks have some uh, blaster holes in them, confirming that the Millennium Falcon survived in the Astral field, and shows up that incompetent Admiral Piet. That was a yeah.
0: little. That was a little too much for me. It was a lot. It was a, that was a stretch. It was such a stretch. she was like, "Yeah, that, that should have been Ray Sloan, Minock Detective." Was a little bridge too far. <laughs> it was very Columbo. Yeah. Well, yeah, if knew, and, Chad.
4: I don't know if you knew. It's
0: very Sherlock. But
4: Ray Sloan also is an expert in something called my shock <laughs> <laughs> <I see.
0: laughs>
4: which is apparently when MyHawks get into a vacuum, what happens?
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I really, did the, but I really hated the characterization of Piet again here, and especially the. But that was my nephew's command. Uh, <laughs> it's like yeah. they should have been any other imperial officer i probably would have been fine
6: yeah. i
4: did like the little detail too that there are stormtroopers on the bridge whose sole job it is to drag
0: yes. bodies out <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah.
4: really this story just could have been 10 pages of the word ray sloan over and over again <laughs> like, yep
0: shining style
2: yeah. perfect what about you Ben? I'm, I'm, go- I'm gonna i'm gonna write a novel and just right race loan over and over again and Schweck will buy it it will buy it will sell w- one oh. copy you will make
0: $20 you'll <laughs> make 20 no, bucks off some, of Schweck.
3: somewhere in the middle you have to put plocoon
0: <laughs> just to make him read the whole thing yeah <laughs> you don't know where it'll be all right beth what's your second one
2: all right i went with disturbance by mike chen yes mm-hmm. and i didn't also didn't mean to pick two stories that were read by sam witwer in the audiobook but there you we go.
0: You didn't mean to. No, I didn't sure? mean to.
2: No, All honestly. Right. I wanted disturbance, and I'd forgotten that um, because I was thinking that truest duty was the Piet story, I didn't think that was one of the Whitware ones. So oh. this Truest Duty just messed me up, but I wanted this one because he doesn't lean into Sheave too heavily in this story, but when he does, it's amazing.
7: There is a great disturbance in the force.
2: We're just such a good Sheev. But speaking of the story, Sheev is meditating on being evil and feels a disturbance in the force. And if you ever wondered what a disturbance in the force is, you finally get to see one because he has some lucid Sith dream or out of body experience or some stuff. And he sees a boy in a black hood with a red lightsaber and the boy Cuts Sheev up and is told that he's done well. And the vision shifts. It turns out it's Vader and some boy that Sheev doesn't know. And as the vision keeps on shifting, we see Vader standing on a balcony with the boy. And who's there but Padme? And that's when Sheev realizes this is Vader having, having some sort of wet Anakin dream <laughs> about hanging out with his son and Padme again. And so Sheev knows now, for sure, that he's being betrayed by Vader. Which, what do you expect? Pretty sure you did the same thing to Darth Plagueis, but whatever. He
9: felt the sheer violence of the Force. The rise and fall of its infinite currents. Something only a true Sith Lord would dare to invite in. The Jedi, in their ancient foolish ways, had wasted their lives, even their order, concerned with their connection to the Force. Symbiosis, flow, such primitive idealism. That was why they went extinct. The Force was never elegant or luminous, at least not for those who saw the entire scope of possibilities. The Jedi, with their myopic commitment to life of all things only experienced a sliver of it but the dark side demanded more
2: so he then puts vader out on a mission to find luke just to find out for sure how far this betrayal has gone
3: yeah well at least he does say at one point of the yeah this is what happens (laughs) he turns on you
2: you make a rule of two you're gonna get betrayed And I did like that at first he thought maybe it was the vision he was seeing was of, you know, somebody who was out there trained in the the unknown regions, Mm -hmm. who was training to become a Sith and then come looking for Sheev.
0: Well, this is leading directly into the scene in Empire.
9: What is thy bidding, my master?
7: There is a great
0: disturbance in the force. I have felt it. He's reciting it back to Vader. Mm-hmm. Him, you know, and, and it's about him. It's about the Emperor finally learning why Vader's so obsessed with the rebels. It's because, mm-hmm. because of Luke. Now, the fact that the Emperor, three years later, is only now figuring out the Luke thing.
4: Well, so I'm marked in this. Yeah. I'm working this story because there's a line, right? So on the first page, it says, you know, all that remained was Darth Vader and Luke. And he says, Luke Skywalker, our father says Luke. And then on the next page, we get Palpatine's thought of, but who was this Luke Skywalker?
2: What do you mean? Who was this Luke Skywalker? (laughs) Like (laughs) (laughs) Skywalker (laughs) is just like Smith out there. That's what you
0: should do. They should start introducing other characters with the last name Skywalker that are not related and Mm -hmm. establish that it's a common name.
4: Yeah, this kind of establishes that uh, Palpatine can kind of pick up on Vader's thoughts and dreams and stuff.
6: Mm -hmm. Do
4: you you think that the Emperor sends Vader away all the time because he gets tired of having visions of Anakin crying. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> pictures oh, of god, no. <laughs>
3: like, like
4: He can't sleep, go. and he's like, oh god,
3: not again. <laughs> I, need, I need you to go to the Outer Rim. Why? Because I can't stand your whining. Mm. I mean, I think there's a base. And it does kind of tie, though, into the end of Kenobi, where, the, where she pops up going, what? Still thinking about
2: your old boss? <laughs> yeah. I had always wondered, though, what, what the hell's a disturbance in the Force? Can I find out, please? Now we know what a disturbance in the Force looks like. It looks Mm -hmm. like Anakin dreaming about Padme for the Mm -hmm. millionth time.
3: Yeah. And that was one other thing that was fun reading sprinkled across the stories but going, okay, this, this was written after rogue one. Oh, this was written after, and the little bits and pieces that people were dropping in.
2: Yeah. Uh, I think what gives that away though, is the fact that the first half of the book, every single story says rebellions are built on hope.
0: Hope. (laughs) That is is very true. I got so sick of that. I forgot about that. But yeah, every story does use that line.
3: <laughs> it's a good line, but come on.
2: But not in every story.
3: No. That's again where an editor should have gone, okay, look, we get two. Yeah.
4: You can't all use it. I <laughs> with Vader's Pave stuff. I mean, I think I'd kind of like to see a story maybe called Vader's Rebound, where Vader tries to go on a date again. <laughs> and he tries to move on. <laughs> and it's just a you- like, series of like blind dates and space tender. <laughs> How do you just,
3: feel about sand?
0: <laughs> he just dates a series of prominent senators.
4: <laughs> <laughs> they kind of look like Padme. Enough yeah. to make people a little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah.
6: <laughs> right.
3: yeah. Right, How do you feel about be, flo- <laughs> fruit being floated towards your face?
0: <laughs> yeah. There's no way he's operational. Uh, no.
4: I, you know, we don't know that.
0: There's That's a powerful cod know. piece
4: well, in that armor. And...
3: So look, sure there are toys happen. for a reason. There are toys for a reason. I've
0: never in my life. I'm going to say this. I've never in my life thought about Vader having sex until this very moment. Never in my life has it, has it even crossed my mind, the idea of Vader having sex. Me either. And there's been some shit that has crossed my mind in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but for some mm. reason that is that has never even occurred to me like could vader does vader fuck it's never been something that's crossed my mind
4: keep the helmet you on you will it's better that way
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like the, end of, of- it. it's it. it's like the end of revenge of the, the nerds
2: remember when away. this was a family-friendly show <laughs> <laughs> this is
4: still family-friendly family making friendly <laughs> you know, I'll like, make
3: you feel a disturbance in your force
4: you can have like a sexy Ew. like she reached up and unhinged the helmet and yeah. then follow with nope put it back on <laughs>
3: yeah.
4: Yeah. it no, can't be that ready. bad oh god it's that
0: bad it's that oh, bad, it's that bad. Well, I'm
4: gonna throw it out and then we can just move it on y'all have seen Crash right <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I crashed opening night. They had a cop there <laughs> to check our IDs. Oh, wow. Yep. Just saying, that's a prominent scar. They did um, the same thing with showgirls.
4: <laughs> that is a certain point of view right there.
0: <laughs> yep. All right. Whose turn is it?
2: And that was the day Beth quit the show. <laughs> 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 it is oh, Gary's turn again.
3: All right. Uh, I had a lot of, well, I had, I didn't say I had a lot, but I had like two or three very close final picks, but I went with what I considered to be the final story in the book because the will strike back annoys me just as much as the Will's story did in the first one. So I don't consider it uh, right hand ban, which is basically from the point of view of the medical droid that's putting, uh, the cybernetic hand on Luke.
8: It wasn't the worst wound he'd ever seen. The surgical droid 21B viewed the patient in front of him. Commander Luke Skywalker had a clean amputation of his right hand via lightsaber. It had been a long time since he'd seen such a wound. Simple enough. His vital signs were remarkably stable, save for a slightly elevated heart rate. The patient seemed calm at first glance but 2-1-B could tell quickly that his muscles were tensed and his mouth was a taut line. The pain was there, no doubt, but the lightsaber had thankfully cauterized the bleeding. There was one good thing about Jedi and Sith combat. No blood. It saved him and his FX droids a lot of messy work.
3: And Luke is working through some trauma, and that's what I really loved about this story is... Again, we get a great droid, which has got some really good personality. I love the fact that it's like, that was very poetic. Don't you dare call me a poet. Just the fact that it kind of helps him walk through what he's going through. You know, maybe I should have lost this. And there's also a nice debate there on what kind of treatments do you get when you've been disabled? You know, should I even get this hand? What? And and the droid going, well, look, whether you get it or not, that's your choice. But I think it would help you. I kind of like the...
4: Settledy almost in this one where you get Luke starting to kind of lean into the pain Mm -hmm. part of it, which is a very dark side thing. Like that's where you're supposed to, you know, whatever. And he's kind of at this precipice where he's at. And then by the end, he's back to, you know, what makes Luke Luke kind of the hope and moving forward part of it. And I always loved this figure when I was a kid. It was one of my favorites.
0: <laughs> oh, the medical the droid. Medical
4: droid. The two, 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 two one good. B. Yeah. yeah, yeah, two, one such B. Such a good figure. Like it had a really cool clear chest, and the yeah, little the mouthpiece would come off. And I took the mouthpiece off probably a million times as a child.
0: Before I go into my last one, I wanted to send a little love to "Wait for It" by Zaretta Cordova. That's the Boba Fett mm-hmm. story. Yeah, it's not, it's not that I necessarily think it's a great story. It's it's not really great. It, it's funny, but it's not really in Boba Fett's voice very well, Um, but Mm -hmm. it's read by John Hamm in the audiobook
1: and he kills it. Didn't they realize their little pit echoed their voices? Some son of a hut saying, bounty hunters, we don't need their scum. Yeah, well if the Empire didn't need bounty hunters, then why was the guild loaded with Imperial credits? Why did Vader need their help when a starship, a ganking dreadnought full of toy soldiers couldn't do the job Boba Fett could do? That familiar spark of anger shot up through his entire body. Bosk muttered something in his native dosh as Vader kept walking, his cape swishing in his back like a shadow. There will be a substantial reward for the one who finds the Millennium Falcon. You are free to use any methods necessary, he said. And Boba Fett felt a quirk at his lips. Then it vanished as Vader stopped in front of him. But I want them alive. He jabbed a finger in Fett's direction. No disintegrations. As you wish, Fett replied. What else was he supposed to say? You fry a couple of heads once purely by accident and people will never let you forget. He
0: absolutely kills it. So it's it's worth worth it just for that.
2: He did the Boba Fett story in the first one as well, so I appreciate the continuity of having him oh, yeah. back for it. And, back. and I agree, it's not a good Boba Fett story, but the reading makes it so worth it.
0: It's a funny story. It's actually mm-hmm. a, f- it's a funny, well-written story. It just doesn't feel like Boba Fett. So uh, I'm going to talk about another bounty hunter with Tooth and Claw by Matthew Kogi. which actually I think this is the longest one in the book. The bounty hunter Bossk is hunting the Wookiee slave emancipator known as Chainbreaker. He breaks into a Wookiee ship there to kill the troublesome Wookiee once and for all, where he discovers that Chainbreaker is actually a Trandoshan Bossk's own sister, whom he assumed he devoured in the nest because Trandos are gross. Uh, His sister coerces him into halting his hunting of Wookiees under penalty of basically death. So he agrees and then is immediately off to the executor to get his orders to track down the Falcon and its Wookiee co-pilot. Trandos are gross. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's got like little nubs and stuff. Ew.
0: But he's like, you can't be my sister. I ate you.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And again, what's Star Wars without daddy issues? <laughs> um, like, my father hated me and I loved it.
0: <laughs> this was my favorite of the bounty hunter stories. One, cause it was, it, it just was, it was, it was, it was a lot like the wedge story where it's, it's, it's a completely different, own independent thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, it has very little to do actually with the Empire Strikes Back now that I think about it, other than at the end, he's going off to, to the executor. Bosk is a character that I think they've, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't want to say they've struggled with to maintain a continuity with him, but sometimes he's goofier than he is other times, um, you know, because he's in the comics. He was on Clone Wars. Right. And then, and now mm-hmm. you, and you get him in the movie and in fiction. And um, I think there's, there there isn't, a, I don't think there's a strong continuity there with his personality, but um, I don't know. I enjoyed the
2: story. I, I liked this one um, of him because, I'm Dengar'd up. I've had enough Dengar, but I don't feel like when I read, oh, it's a Bosque story, I wasn't like, oh, it's a Bosque story, like I am with the Dengar story.
0: Poor Dengar. I'm so sick of him. It's just a joke. He's <laughs> weird. It's just a joke. He stinks. According, according to this book, he stinks. Yes. Yeah. Because he's never washed, you know.
4: And the good sign for this one is I wanted to know more after.
0: Yeah, Like, does yeah. he,
4: like, think twice now about hunting down Wookiees? Or did
0: he go back yeah, to go does he, immediately?
3: immediately? Yeah, does he yeah. read the data he was given? Why is there this re- blood feud between these two races who put that together? I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff here.
0: What's interesting about this one is it felt like something bigger, but that bigger thing is not The Empire Strikes Back.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It, felt like a, it felt like another book
3: and apparently those trees on Kashyyyk are magic because you can build spaceships out of them.
4: <sighs> I question more because we've always known the Wookiees build their stuff out of wood. But when he, they were like, he cut a hole in the hull, and then he just put it back and everything was good. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, anyway, yeah. does this like self-heal?
3: Maybe. You see, it's like maple syrup, that sap, it just kind of, <sighs> yeah. It's, and
4: it also made me want to know what does Chewbacca's family smell like? <laughs> Because <laughs> apparently they smell different. I imagine sandalwood. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Lilac. Oh. <laughs> it's, gotta be, it's gotta be lovely.
2: Uh wet dog? Yeah. yeah. I think Chewbacca smells good. Well, but she was she was raised or not raised, but she was trained by Itchy.
3: Mmm. True.
2: So she's got Itchy stank on her.
3: Oh, and we had the hairless Wookiee which I just can't. Imagine. Oh, I it's want to see. Like I want a picture. Yeah, it's like it's got to be like those shaved bear pictures you see, where it's just like, oh, I think you're scarier. Shaved Wookie
0: is not something I want to see.
3: I'm not. <laughs> no. It'd be like Idris
0: Elba at the end of Cats. It just, just. I mean,
4: shaved Wookie has to be a euphemism
0: for something. Or something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Tying back to our earlier discussion, going to Urban Dictionary. <laughs> yeah. Moving right. swiftly along.
4: <laughs> uh is it my turn?
0: Yes it is. My last
4: one. So keeping in my chat is correct. I do like the weirder stuff. <laughs> Fake till you make it by Kevin Scott with everyone's favorite seven foot tall green rabbit. Jax. Jackson. And this time Jackson's got a cape.
5: The people of Cloud City knew style when they saw it. His cape billowed as he swaggered toward the Baron administrator's office, the silk lining shimmering in the light from the station's panoramic windows. Yes, this is where he belonged. Not the grimy back streets of Nar Shadda, or the gambling dens of Vandor One. This was where he would make his home. He turned the corner, winking at a beautiful Kesurian, who was admiring his Terrell cell-weave shirt. He could feel her amber gaze lingering on his back as he continued on his way, his Ronto hide boots clicking on the polished synthstone floor. That's it, baby, he thought to himself. Take a long look. One day you'll be able to tell your kids how you saw the galaxy's most eligible bachelor up close and personal. The stuff of legends. <laughs> <laughs>
4: so okay i think it's been a while you know this story follows jackson he's kind of deciding he's going to be a smuggler and he's coming to lando to get some deals and then discovers lando's helping people and in the end he decides to be a friend and smuggle some people out of cloud city
0: should we explain who jackson is (laughs) some people might not know
4: he's a seven foot tall green rabbit
3: (laughs) what else is there
0: to
4: explain (laughs)
3: <laughs> One of the weirder characters in Star Wars, and that's saying a lot. Yes, he's from the Marvel Comics. Back in the a, early
0: 80s.
4: Yeah, he was an X-Wing pilot. And it's been a while since I've read those. Was he this much of a scumbag back then? I don't remember that.
3: I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember. I could not tell you.
4: This story also puts it in canon the Rabbits are an actual thing in the Star Wars universe. This would calls him a rabbit.
3: This story bothered yeah. me because of how aware he was that he was a rabbit.
4: Yeah, it was really weird. The
3: harebrained scheme. Oh, you're going to bring that language into it. Yeah, <laughs> It's like a yeah. Looney
4: Tunes episode. Yeah. yeah.
3: And those little people he saved at the end, I kept imagining Babu Frick.
4: Yeah, I did too, actually. But yeah, I, I like when they bring the weird characters back.
0: And- as soon as he started talking, I was like, who, are, who in the audiobook, Because you don't know right away. Yeah. And so the audiobook, mm-hmm. you just hear this cartoony voice. That's nothing like anything you've heard for the rest of the audiobook. And you're like, what the hell is this? And then it says Jackson walked down the hall. And I was like, oh, my God. Because I wasn't looking ahead. I was just listening as it came to me. And I was like, oh, geez.
2: And the the voice is very jarring and it's it's unpleasant and you don't want to listen. And then you're like, oh, oh, it's Jackson.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's not. Does it end with the the Looney Tunes exit theme song? (laughs) It should. It should. should. should.
2: I picked what I can't believe somebody didn't steal out from under me right away. But uh, I forgot Ryan's big thing for Ray Sloan for a second. Otherwise, I'm certain he would have picked this one. Um, But I chose Faith in an Old Friend by Brittany N. Williams. I wanted this
6: one.
2: Did you? Yeah. I figured one of you would.
0: I wanted this one.
2: Well, you still get to talk about it. Of course. Um, L337 is now part of the Millennium Collective, the droid brain of the Falcon, which also includes ED4, a transport droid consciousness, and then V5T, which is a slicer. They are all now sentient, thanks to L337, and she knows that Lando lost her to Han, and she very much misses him. So when the Falcon needs to make a getaway from the Empire, she helps guide them towards Bespin and towards Lando. When the Empire deactivates the hyperdrive, the Collective uses the ship's astromech to warn their humans, but he is destroyed, another astromech destroyed cruelly by the Empire. Mm-hmm. but not before he gets a message to the central computer. A message that is received by R2, who reactivates the hyperdrive like a goddamn hero wears his medal <laughs> As Lando, Leia, and Chewie leave Bespin L3 is happy. And she is with her partner again. And she's, oh, this story is so sad. Oh, when the so sh- sad.
6: The hyperdrive churned and sputtered, then went silent. Yes, they know now, L-337 said. <coughs> Chewbacca shoved his way out of the cockpit, sending Lando stumbling into the co-pilot's seat. How would you know the hyperdrive is deactivated? The collective jumped to the cams overlooking C-3PO and R2-D2. The Cloud City Central computer told me when I plugged in, R2-D2 said in rapid binary. She said she got the message from the Falcon's repair droid. L337 felt the relief wash through the entirety of the collective. Their little droid had done it. He delivered their message.
3: When, when L3 turns the screen on and Lando's like, wait a second. And he starts to, the, and then somebody interrupts. It was like every single rom com where the two people almost get together and then.
2: Well, when he sits in the seat and he gives the salute and she can see yeah. him do it.
4: I don't know how I feel about it. L3 maintaining her sentience, or however you want to term it, when she's in the Millennium Falcon. If that's the case, why can't she display text? Yeah, why wouldn't Lando like plug in a speaker (laughs) and be like, all right, then here we
3: are? That's fair. Or
4: if she's still around, just pull her out of the Millennium Falcon and put her back into a robot body,
3: which she apparently built. Yeah,
0: that's fair. (laughs) I, I, I just like it because it's been long the lore that that the Falcon had three droid brains running it and that they were mm-hmm. always fighting with each other and it all goes back to the line with uh, 3PO right I don't I don't know where your ship learned to communicate but it uses the most partic- peculiar dialect. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so the idea that he'd have to communicate with the droid and it, with the ship or whatever and uh, Han even says at one point, "Once you plug into the Falcon, ask it what's wrong with the hyperdrive." Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it sounds like you know, it sounds like a figure of speech, but no, he's saying, "Ask it what's wrong with it." <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. As, ask it what's wrong. Chewie, take the professor in the back and plug him into the hyperdrive.
2: <laughs> well, and and in the audiobook is particularly well done because it's three different voice actors, and nice. so yeah. it plays off. They play off each other really well with the, you know, teaching each other new words and and talking to each other. And it's really well done. And I like that it's three droid brains who know that there are three droid brains and they work together.
6: Systems continue to function at 75%, said V5T.
8: No further exterior damage detected, ED4 said.
6: Although the rear sensors are very... Chatty. L337 felt ED4's excitement at utilizing the new word, but L337's own confusion pushed itself forward.
2: Chatty about what? And they know that Hom's kind of a dick. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, they're not a yeah, good but, but it's one of the most solid stories, especially, again, because, you know, anytime we get to see Lando in L- L337.
0: We didn't even talk about Wil- Wilro Hood. His story's fairly forgettable, unfortunately.
2: yeah. Yeah, I was all excited I even, for him I to have re- a story, and it was just kind of like, oh, great, he's going to Batu." I so love hearing more about people wanting to go to Batu. I don't remember. Mm-hmm.
0: I don't even remember what's in the thing.
2: We never found
0: out. Oh, we don't find out? Okay.
3: Yeah, it's like awesome. it's. we find out that he's got it, and it's solid, and then at the end of the story, he drops it, and all is, he can tell it's broken because oh, now yeah. it's rattling, and he's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm not going
2: to. It's like that's the right. Pulp Fiction yeah. briefcase. Yeah. Okay.
3: I also really liked um, Does He Eat?, I I think that's the title. Yeah. That was on my short list. Yeah, that was one of my severe follow-ups, both as as somebody who likes to cook and just that discussion of, what do you mean we're making dinner for Vader?
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, does he eat? Does he fuck? These are important questions we're having
3: tonight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the answer
4: is no to both, apparently.
3: (laughs) (laughs) And this is definitely written by somebody who has... Either worked in a restaurant or knows a lot of people who do because it's like yeah I don't get up before four in the afternoon leave me alone. Yeah. It's very
0: like Tony. That- it's a very Tony Bourdain type of yeah character.
4: I like that one too because it has the you know characterization of Vader. He's not going to eat it, but you have to make him something real nice or he'll choke you. <laughs> and again, <laughs> prima donna till the end.
3: Uh-huh. <laughs> you did not properly butter this scone.
4: It's like the menu in space.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I love that, that, that chef's realization of like, well, if I'm going to die, there's no way in hell I'm making mediocre food.
0: Give me the good stuff. Were there any uh, you didn't care for? Uh, like, especially, you know, not just,
2: well, we talked about a lot of sentient things and mm-hmm. one we didn't talk about was the sentient cave.
3: Yeah. I could have lived without the, the dark cave on Dagobah
2: being an entity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the Obi Wan story just felt off. It yeah, was, that didn't. He was off model completely. That was not it, Obi Wan. It was like, yeah,
0: it... like reading Alan Dean Foster do Star Wars. Like the characters mm. just aren't, aren't right.
4: I also didn't care. Whereas I liked the Wampa kind of internal monologue stuff, I did not like the uh, Tauntaun one.
2: No. no, about her family mm. and
0: blah, yeah, that was. Blah, blah, blah. The, they're lizard yeah. horses.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. you don't have a thought about your daughter. You don't have thoughts besides yum yum food. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: beyond the clouds felt kind of pointless. One um, that we talked earlier about the witness was death with with yeah. The, you know, I'm I'm in with a stormtrooper going. That's it. I'm out. See Finn. But just the really, you're gonna oh, you're gonna you're gonna see these big moments. Yeah.
4: But on Cloud City, I did like was it the man who built Cloud City?
3: Yes. Oh we yeah. That one. <laughs> Which is a. Emperor awesome. Norton in Star Wars, I was yeah. in, and we
0: didn't even talk about. I, I forget the name of it, but the one about Ozel. You have failed
2: me for the last time, Admiral. Kendall. Yeah, Kendall.
4: I can't believe nobody picked Kendall.
2: I, I thought one of you did. Yeah.
4: It was uh, on my, no. my original list when I was trying to
0: take the It's the story from the point of view of Admiral Ozl as he's being strangled by Vader. Yeah. Um, it actually gets kind of scary. Mm-hmm. It gets legit scary. It's funny too because he's like pretty soon he's like I deserve this pretty soon he'll let up and I'll drop to the fall- floor gasping and then he realized he was pressing harder and yep. harder and he goes I'm not getting out of this. <laughs> Like at first he's like, "Yeah, this sucks, but I'll get out of it." And then
4: he's just smelling his mother's stew.
3: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And the again the scent, We did not need the thought process of the giant dragon snake that tried to eat R two. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was very silly.
2: Well, it was extremely silly in the audiobook because it well, was just a bunch of sounds. <laughs> it was just a bunch I was going to
0: ask about that
4: because in the book it's a like a comic.
0: Yeah, no, in the audiobook, oh, is it? No, in the audiobook, it's just a bunch of, like, slurping sounds.
2: It's just a bunch of slurping sounds and little droid noises, and then it's over. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, wait, what did I just listen to? Was that an actual story? All
0: right, so that one doesn't work so well in the audiobook. No. No, Noted.
2: There you go. That's, yeah, see, it's like a little comic. Oh, weird. Interesting. All right, well, it looks like if we are getting... For the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, Um, we are getting a new book. There's there's going to be some stories that we have to see and there's going to be some stories that we want to see. There's probably going to be stories we don't want to see,
3: but Mm -hmm. The, the one, the sentient tree that the Ewoks all live in.
4: Oh, I'm ready for this. I've got three with titles. Oh, I've got a
2: lot more than three, but no titles. I don't have
4: titles. <laughs> I really thought through these three. So the first one I'm gonna go with, and it's one we talked about previously that was not recorded. It will be entitled Small Town Girl. It's the story of Ula when she lives leaves Ryloth to go out on her own yep. and it ends up being sex trafficked by <laughs> <Java> the Hunt. <host. laughs> it's
2: gonna be a real field story. It's gonna
0: be the it's gonna be the poison video for Fallen Angel. <laughs>
2: That's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It, that's basically all you're talking about doing God. Which I am here for by the
2: way
4: <laughs> Just, It's going to start with Hopes and dreams of being a singer And it's going to end in the belly of a rancor
2: <laughs> It's
3: the Star Wars Version of Requiem for a Dream
4: <laughs> you imagine, Ula walked into her quarters and saw the outfit Laid out on the couch She
2: stifled a cry <laughs> so, dark. <laughs> so dark So dark So dark
4: To go and worry, yes? is-
2: no, go go ahead. I yeah, want to hear all three of these. Are you ready for number
4: two? Sure. Number two is called No Pleasure. Mm. It's a story of Ben Fortuna when all his friends and people leave on the pleasure lot yacht, and he is left behind alone in Java's palace. <laughs> it ends with him starting to eat some snacks, and we see the origin of tuna <laughs> depressed and alone. <laughs> I had
2: Bib Fortuna on my list, but uh, I did not get that specific with it.
4: <laughs> and then my last, which this might be my favorite one, it's called "The Missed Meal." It's the story of Yibub, the young Ewok who thought he was going to have a feast, and then he is denied <laughs> his yummy, yummy dinner, and the sadness he feels in his hungry
2: tummy. <laughs> <laughs> So you're implying that the Ewoks didn't get to eat dinner because they didn't get to eat Luke and Han? Exactly. Okay.
4: A delicious meal was being prepared. And he was
2: denied. I I can't believe you didn't take the obvious one. Um, Jason Syndulla sitting somewhere being pissed off that all this great stuff is happening and he's been left at home somewhere with some babysitter or some shit.
0: <laughs> I had Hera on my list. I think a Hera story would be appropriate.
2: She's on mm-hmm. my list too. Um,
4: Hera could just be like a list of like different scenes where she's just off camera. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
0: I don't have a name for it, but I want to know what the droid did to get EV ninety nine to torture it.
6: Oh, yeah, like, what is that? Story? That was in my list. Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, just just EV ninety nine in general. You want to get. Inside that head, um, yeah. and follow. What, his how day. do you become a torture droid? Yeah, how do you become a torture <laughs> droid? And what did that droid do?
2: Um, what What about Rex? And wondering how the that, hell he wound up with all these assholes. Who are you people?
3: That That's one of that was one of mine. Is I want the story of Rex on Endor. I want that canon.
4: And I want him to talk to Nick, saying, <laughs> "Just really screw with people." Like that's the last line. And then Rex looked over at Nick and said, "Hey, what's up?" Yeah. <laughs>
5: Um,
2: Um, i want yoda obi-wan and anakin meeting up as force ghosts for the first time and it being like super awkward for a minute (laughs) i was
0: like like, why do you look like that (laughs) anakin's like um did 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 mace say he was gonna come
2: (laughs) he Uh, he still hates me doesn't he still mad at me
3: <laughs> Mace, at the end of the, the the final line of the story is Mace shows up and goes, You're still not a master. <laughs> yeah.
2: Now,
4: I am positive what I think is gonna happen, I bet we get the story that you walked that died.
0: Oh um, yeah. 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 For That's sure. gotta be in there. We'll get another Boba Fett story. Narrated, yeah. narrated by John Hamm. Yes. It'll be in the same type of kind of smart ass, not quite matching up tone, but it, uh, my guess is it goes from like when Chewie brings or when Bausch brings in Chewie or maybe that it just goes takes you through his whole appearance in the movie yeah what yeah. is he saying when he's hitting on those girls oh yeah and the dancing girls things like that so we'll definitely get a Boba Fett story General Maydean yes a du- it's a dude we know nothing about he's got the coolest hair in all of Star Wars but mm-hmm. um, uh, I'd like to see a story about General Maydeen, and, and may- maybe like maybe the, the pre the briefing before the briefing where they're like mm. figuring out the plan or something like that, you know, with Medine and Akbar and
3: see behind
0: kind of how the sausage got made on their plan. Do you guys want to
3: see the Bothans story in this, or would you want yeah. that to be a whole book? I want it to show up somewhere.
2: Yeah. It, I don't know that they're going to get want a whole book. T- see it. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't see how, but a story at least would be good. Yeah. That was one of the first things I wrote down. And, and there's more Mon Mothma story to tell. Yes.
4: I'd like to see a story of just like some like supplier or like guy that just goes on the pleasure yacht. Just like, all oh, right, I get a little trip on the yacht. I'm going to have some drinks. This is going to be awesome. What in the world is happening? Well, we know. It's do
0: with a lightsaber. <laughs> the first third of it, the first third of the book is just going to be Tales from Jabba's powers.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Right, it's going to be a, a new version of yeah. Kelsey Jabba's
3: palace for like the third yeah. one. So yeah, you'll get you'll yeah. get stuff like that. You will get the band, you know Max Rebo and all them. We'll definitely get that story.
2: I bet I'm we'll sure get, there's some Jabba story happening.
0: I bet we'll get one from the point of view of an Imperial Guard on the Death Star.
3: Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I was gonna say what's his name, uh, the guy in charge. I want his freaking out before Vader shows up. Oh, Moff Jer-Jarod? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I want him, like, why are we behind schedule? And then maybe at the end we find out, oh, it's purposely behind schedule. It's supposed to look unfinished.
4: I could do with one of the stories of one of the stormtroopers that brings Luke, like, finds Luke, and he turns himself in. He's like, I have got Commander Skywalker. This is awesome. I'm about to be number one stormtrooper. And then Vader takes his handcuffs off, and he's like, what in the
0: hell? (laughs) 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 The
2: rumors are true! (laughs) You son of a bitch!
0: Actually, that is Um, a good one. Yeah, the everything was
2: coming up. TK four two seven. The trooper trooper that Luke
0: surrendered to.
2: I I am certain that something sentient's going to be happening, and it's. I want to know if it's got to be some sentient monster. What is the Sarlacc thinking while it's testing Boba Fett? Yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, we're definitely
0: getting that. Definitely get a sentient Sarlacc story. Maybe even one from the point of view of the Rancor, the history of the Rancor.
3: Mm. Yeah, they're gonna make it like a big Great Dane. I'm just hungry. Yeah, does everybody mean to
0: me? Ow, it's in my mouth. Those seem to be right in the vein of what they've done thus far. They'll they'll, they'll surprise you. You know, I, I put down you know kind of like EU characters or not EU characters, but book characters stuff like Shara Bay and mm. Cass Dameron think- and stuff like that. You know, I thought it might be a cute story about Rob- Jabba's robot eye and what he sees on a day day
3: to day. Yeah, do you think they'll redo the story with the the, the monks, the spider monks? Yeah, there's got to be a Beaumore Monk story. Yeah. And uh, Salacious Crumb. <laughs> it's like four pages of...
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, I don't need anything about a and monkey lizard.
0: I did write down a day in the life of S.B. Crumb. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right. Well, Gary, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Where can the people find you? Okay, let me break out the list. Uh, you can find me as part of
3: the American Sci-Fi Classics track at Dragon Con. Uh, these three lovely people have been a part of that and are welcome to do it again this year. Uh, you can find us, uh, we try to do a bi-weekly, it's been a little spotty lately, but bi-weekly live YouTube show of various classic sci-fi topics. Uh, look for us on YouTube and in Facebook by just searching for American sci-fi classics. I am also the producer and co-host of a horror podcast called the podcast of Amontillado. Um, And that has been a lot of fun to do. And you can find me on the Twitters as at Gary underscore Mitchell. If Twitter is still alive at the time of this recording.
2: And it may not be by then. (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Chad, what are we talking about next time? Well, we had
0: so much fun with uh, the Old Republic Republic talking about Revan. Uh, we're going to go back to the Old Republic and we're going to read Annihilation. This will complete our Drew Carpishan read. This, will, this is the last Drew Carpishan Star Wars novel. So we'll we'll have finished his works uh, with that. So Annihilation, it's a Old Republic book. Takes place, I think, a couple hundred years after Revan.
2: All right. Well, thank you guys and thank you for joining us. We will talk to you all soon. Roger,
4: roger.